You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. It's a pleasure to be with you again. Uh, some of you might say, might say, well, what's the connection? Why is he here? Uh, grateful for Mike, Pastor Mike, a uh, good friend of mine. And the way we were introduced was quite a few years ago when Mike and Hannah first came into town here at Greenleafton, and I, I shared this a little bit back in January. Uh, Mike and Hannah and their family were at Greenleafton Church for an Easter egg hunt, and it was Hannah who came up to me and said, my husband's a pastor and you need to get to know him. And that's the connection. So later on, a couple months later, I made that connection with Pastor Mike. And uh, there in and there out, we got together time and time out as pastor friends. And uh, it's just blossomed into a wonderful relationship and a wonderful friend. So I uh, feel privileged to be able to share God's word and to also uh, just be here with you today as we worship God. Uh, back in January when I was first here, I started this short mini-series with you, not knowing when I'd be back, and uh, of course, six weeks ago I was with you, and now again, so I want to finish up that story out of 1 Samuel, uh, looking at chapter 17 this morning, uh, the story of David, man after God's own heart. So I'd invite with you, me, uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be looking at chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, going to pick it up right in the middle in verse 20. And we're going to go towards the the end of this chapter and finish out in verse 50, 51. So picking it up in 1 Samuel, verse 20 of chapter 17. So David left the sheep with another shepherd. And he set out early the next morning with the gifts, as Jesse, his father, had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelites and the Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies and he hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. Soon as the Israelites saw him, the army, they began to run away in fear. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. David would ask the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man give for killing the Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway? He demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know your pride, your deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, 
and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight the Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. He's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and the goats, he said. When a lion or a bear come to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club. I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw. I club it to death. I've done this to both lion and bear. I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord, who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear, will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said. And may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, bronze helmet, coat of maul. David put it on, strapped on the sword over it, took a step or two to see if, what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he replied, and protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again, and he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into a shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield-bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Go over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give your dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spirit or spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran to meet him, breaking into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling, and he hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Here ends the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Let's pray. Father, today there are wars, there are rumors of war, there's strife in our life, and sometimes the giants and the problems seem overwhelming. And Lord, help me to be reminded in those days of of what you have already done, what you've accomplished. And Lord, uh, our battles belong to you. So this morning, uh, help us to put away all the cares from this past week and all the things already maybe on our Google calendars for the coming week. And help us, Lord, just to have eyes that see your heart and open the eyes of our heart through your Holy Spirit. We pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. My days at the shop, working at the John Deere place, uh, parts department, we had a big farmer that would come in, 
His name was Francis, although we would call him Franny. He was uh, about six foot eight, I would say, tallest man I've ever stood next to. A uh, huge farmer. And you can just imagine, he had broad shoulders, and some of the farmers I know back in my old congregation, they, they just had big farmer hands. And that was Francis. And he would walk up to our parts counter, and we had this elevated shelf above the parts counter where we would keep our toys and extra parts. So Francis, being six foot eight, when he would walk up to the counter, well, that shelf would come to about here on his eyes, so he always had to duck down underneath, and then he would just lay on the parts counter kind of like this. And, but that was his style because, you know, sometimes people that are tall, and uh, they can be intimidating, right? And it seems like sometimes when they're tall, they look down on you, or, or when they're really tall, they might put their hand on your shoulder, and then you really feel about like this tall. But Francis never really looked down on you, and that's why he'd say, call me Franny. Because he just, had a, he just had a heart of gold. So I compare Franny to Goliath this morning in this passage. And I'm a visual person. And, and yesterday when I was in the garage and I had went over my sermon in the basement, uh, I was standing there. And uh, we know earlier in chapter 17, and certainly the question had been earlier, by the soldiers, have you seen the giant? So, all right, I got to put this in perspective. So when I was in my garage, my ceiling's pretty tall. And I'm thinking, all right, our passage earlier in chapter 9 would say, Goliath was over nine feet tall. Well, there's a little subnote in the bottom of my passage here in my Bible that says he was 9.75 feet So someone asked me today, how come you're carrying a ruler? Well, I want to give you an idea because I did this in the garage yesterday, and I'm six foot tall, so nine foot nine inches. Have you seen the giant? Brandon, you'd have to look up to him too. You can understand, uh, even across the Valley of Elah, he, he must have seemed immense. And, and to give you an idea also that I'm assuming, being he's that tall, uh, we're not told how much he weighs, but we get an idea because it says here the coat of mail or maul that he was wearing was 125 pounds. I'm thinking... You know, uh, at my weight, about a fourth of the weight seems comfortable to carry. So if I'm, if I'm on the farm and holding something 40 to 50 pounds, I don't want to carry that too far. So 125 pounds of armor, a uh, quarter of that, does that put Goliath at like 500 pounds? Add another 125 pounds of armor to him. Now we're talking about 625 pounds. Uh, this past week I was doing some work with a crowbar, and my crowbar weighed in at about 10 pounds, and we read here that the bronze javelin that, uh, that Goliath was carrying, it was thick as a beaver's beam, and, and the tip of the shaft and the spearhead was 15 pounds. And I'm thinking with my crowbar in my hand this week, 
my crowbar is like 10 pounds, and I'm not going to throw that very far like a javelin. And Goliath is 15 pounds, and that's his javelin? Gives you an idea when the soldiers say, have you seen the giant? David doesn't seem too intimidated, though, does he? And the first thing I want to look at is sometimes, yeah, in life, we make problems bigger than they are, don't we? Sometimes the, the enemy seems larger than life. And Goliath, he's got his size, he's got his weapons, uh, his armor. He seems extraordinary. And uh, he comes out and he bellers at the Israelite army and they turn around and they flee. And all they say to David is, have you seen the giant? Well, this is the first day David's been there. He's come by orders of his father to bring some supplies to his three oldest brothers who are part of the army. So he's come out to see them. Uh, yeah, Eliab, he's got a problem. Oldest brother, yeah, I'm the oldest brother too. So uh, Eliab says to David, you know, hey, you kind of left your post back on the farm. Who's taking care of business back there? You left dad to do it all. And, you know, David says, what have I done? I'm just showing up here. I'm just asked a question, though. What's going to be done to the man who kills this Philistine? Because David's not impressed with his size. What taunts David is the fact that Goliath is defying Israel's God, Yahweh. And it's not about Goliath's size to David. It's not about the size of the army. It's not about army versus army. It's not going to be later on about David versus Goliath. It's, it's going to be Yahweh, the living God, versus the God of Goliath, who's the pagan god, Dagon, who's only made out of wood and stone. So for David, this isn't a physical battle. It's about... Who's allowed to defy God? The God I serve, I'm a man after God's own heart. And what are you guys going to do about it? You're going to flee? So we're introduced here then to Saul. And I'm thinking this week, it's been noted in some books that this is Saul's battle. And really, I mean, Goliath is challenging Israel, saying, send out a man. Me versus him. Winner takes all. Winner versus loser. If I'm the winner, if you're the winner, we'll serve you. If you're the loser, you're serving us. And that wasn't uncommon sometimes in battles in Bible times. So Goliath is sending out the taunt. And, and if we're looking at Israel, it's like, well, who should be fighting then if it's going to be one-on-one? -on -one? And if it should have been anybody, it should have been King Saul. Because earlier in 1 Samuel, twice over, we hear that Saul would stand shoulders, head and shoulders above everybody else. So if we're talking about size, I'm assuming Saul is the biggest person in Israel's army. He should be the one up here challenging Goliath and well, we know where Saul is. He's pretty quick to hand off his armor, isn't he? So sometimes, yes, the enemy seems larger than life. But for David, it's not about size. He's, he's not impressed with nine foot nine. And, and I'll give it to him when David's across from the valley, someone doesn't look quite as tall as if you're standing right next to him, right? 
So maybe there's that perspective where David, uh, and I think he still knows Saul. Goliath's a pretty big dude. Also, what's easy to note here is in life, in the battles that we face, we make them out bigger than they used to be or should be. Uh, we make a mountain out of a molehill is what my mother would say sometimes. But also the battles drag on. How long has Goliath been coming out? Well, in the same chapter 17, we would read in verse 16, For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion would strut in front of the Israelite army. 40 days. 40 days, Goliath's been coming out, send me out a warrior, and all he sees is the backside of the Israelites running away. Day 41 was going to be different, wasn't it? Day 41 would not be the same. Goliath would strut in front of Israel's army again this morning. As soon as the army flees, uh, Goliath must just stand there and must think, it's going to be a normal day again. David's, however, working behind the scenes. He's asking around, what's the king going to do? And, of course, they, a lot of things always happen with kings sharing their daughters. And the army says, hey, King Saul's going to share his daughter with, uh, with the man who kills Goliath. Uh, he's also going to give his family tax exemption and, and all of that. And David continues to ask around. And, and I'm not sure in the passage why David continues to ask about that. Uh, if he's just inquisitive or if he doesn't believe... Uh, Whatever the fact is, it, it's not the reason that David's going to fight Goliath again. It's not that he can have a wife someday. It's not that he wants to give his father tax exemption. fact is, this Goliath is challenging the God of Israel. David's words uh, get told to the king. And he goes to Saul and he says, Don't worry about this Philistine. I'll fight him. Imagine Saul, now he stands head and shoulders above anybody in Israel, and he looks down at David, and David, we're, we're still seeming, uh, well, Saul calls him a boy. Uh, we're still thinking he's a teenager, probably. Might be 17, 18, 19, we're not certain. But uh, certainly in Saul's eyes, David's a boy. And he says, you're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. We don't know how, how old Goliath is. Is he in the prime of his life? Is he in his late 20s, early 30s, you know? Possibly. We're not certain. Uh, interesting, though, uh, when I was with you last time, we looked at David's resume, and one of Saul's servants in chapter 16 would say this about David, though, and I'm picking this up in verse 18. One of the servants say to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that... He's a brave warrior, a man of war. Hmm. What does this servant of Saul know about David that Saul doesn't? Man of war at age 16, 17, 18? Uh, are we talking about a fighting man of war? Hmm. Probably not when it comes to challenging man versus man. David gives us a clue, though, when he persists and he says, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and my goats. 
when a lion or a bear comes to steal the lamb from the flock, I, I club it to death. I, I rescue the lamb from its mouth, and if the animal turns on me, I catch it by a jaw, and I, I club it to death. And if the Lord has been with me and protected me at those times, isn't he going to protect me against Goliath? So man of war, is, is that what this person's referring to? Possibly. I believe that more than certainly David hasn't faced an enemy face-to-face, at least as far as a human that we know of. David, however, is a man after God's own heart. And David says, look, I'll look back at the past victories in life. And that's a reminder for me in the heat of problems and difficulties when I get stressed out. Uh, my wife Brenda will remind me of that, and she'll say, Raj, look at how God has been with us before through all those problems. And, and I look back when I was a young father, and our first daughter, Cassie, was born visually impaired. She's legally blind, and, and for a young dad, it was like, wow, she's five days old, and we're at the U of M, and they're telling us she's never going to see in her life. And it's like, whoa, first of all, I have a hard time just having the idea I'm a father at age 22, and, and now you're telling me my daughter's going to be blind, and, and that challenged our marriage, I'll tell you that. And when you talk about the seven-year itch, when it got to seven years, it was like, oh, our marriage was stressed. And yet there was no if in our marriage that we're going to cave. It's like, no, God's going to be with us. And, and I know Brenda and I now, when we have difficulties, we'll look back and we'll say, We made it through that. We can make it through anything. And I think that's what David is saying here. He said, God protected me with the lion and the bear. He's going to protect me against Goliath here. And Saul will consent. And he'll say, all right, go ahead. Lord be with you. But here, put on my armor. And then David tries to walk in it. And I think you can all picture... At least I can a couple weeks ago, even my grandson pulling on my shoes and trying to walk. Imagine that's what it was like for David to walk in Saul's shoes even. And he's probably kind of like this. And he's got this armor on that's made for Saul, mind you. And we think David is smaller stature. And David just says, there's no way I can put this on. I'm not used to it. All I'm used to having is a staff in my hand and a sling. And the next thing we read is David stops at a brook, stops at the valley, and picks up five smooth stones. About 11 years ago, I was in the valley of Elah. And if it's anything like in David's time, you don't have to look very far to find five stones. There are stones everywhere in the valley of Elah. And it's not even so much about five stones. It's about David trusting in his Lord. So we see Goliath sneering in verse 47 at this ruddy-faced boy. Gives you the idea, I'm thinking Goliath is in his prime, prime fighter. Uh, The Philistines are going to send out their champion. And he looks at David and he sneers and he looks down at him and he says, Am I a dog? You come after me with your stick. And he's referring, of course, to his staff, 
probably that's got a hook on it, like you can, like we think of at the Christmas story, shepherds with their staff, and they use that to pull their sheep out and protect. And we also read this, though, and I think this is one of the keys. In verse 43, 45. Nope, trying to read the small little numbers in my Bible. 43, and he cursed David by the names of his gods. He cursed David by the name of his God. So here's what gives me the idea. This isn't Israel versus Philistine, David versus Goliath. This is Yahweh versus Dagon, the God of Goliath, whom Goliath is defying Israel's God, Yahweh, cursing David by the name of his God. And David's response says... You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. So Goliath is calling out David's armor. You don't have any armor, but all you have is a staff. Am I a dog? And David says, you, you Goliath, you got this shield bearer walking in front of you. You're nine foot nine. You've got this spear with a 15-pound head on it and a javelin. David says, basically saying, I'm not impressed. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. And today the Lord will conquer you. I will kill you, cut off your head, and the whole world will know there's a God in Israel. And everyone here will know that the Lord rescues his people. And I think that message is not only for Goliath and the Philistines, I I think David might be almost looking back and saying, you better hear this, Israel. You better believe this because today I want you to know also that Yahweh, our Israel God, will save us and defend us. And here's where I struggle sometimes, and this is what I need to remember. In the battles I face, David would say this, This is the Lord's battle. This is the Lord's battle. And he will give you to us. And, of course, we know the rest of the story. Goliath moves closer to attack. He's got his shield bearer in front of him. David runs out to meet him, reaches into his shepherd's bag, takes his stone, and he hurls it, and he hits Goliath. And what I read is the only place that wasn't protected on Goliath, and it was right in the middle between his eyes because he's got all his protection, 125 pounds of steel on him, a helmet and his shield bearer. I like what one author said that I read recently. He said, well, David could have turned and ran, and I'm pretty sure he could outrun Goliath. But David could also stand there and say, He's so big, how could I miss? And I like that. He's so big of a target, David must think, how am I ever going to miss that? And of course, uh, I think David was skilled at what he was using, but we all know that it was the Lord who he already had this planned, and he already directed that stone. So how do we look at this today? How do we put it in perspective of our own life? You, you and I are facing problems, difficulties. 
might be like us when we were young and married and uh, challenged with how do we raise such a, a gift from God, a young girl, to still love and serve the Lord when I don't know how to take care of her needs. Uh, our problems can seem overwhelming at times. They can persist for days on end as Goliath would challenge Israel for 40 days. Uh, it might seem like 40 years at times. And then how can I give the battle to the Lord? And to realize today, our battles aren't always about flesh and blood. There are spiritual battles. And Satan continues to work. And yeah, God allows him to, to challenge us, to test us maybe, uh, but I also be reminded that Satan's already been defeated. There's a day he's going to be thrown into the abyss. So David faces Goliath without any physical armor, right? Goliath's got 125 pounds of it on. David comes, and what does he have? Yeah, you're right, Goliath. All he's got is a stick and a sling. Today, you and I might say, I don't have anything to protect me. Well, I like the passage out of Ephesians chapter 6, and this is what I want to leave you with today. Ephesians 6, beginning of verse 10, Paul's words, uh, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. It's not about David versus Goliath. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in this dark world, and against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So stand your guard. Put on the belt of truth, the body of God's righteousness, or some versions would say the breastplate of righteousness, right? Shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then finally this, pray. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So I pray this week as you're facing what seems like hostile attacks, uh, Satan is still trying to steal. He's a deceiver. And he stands against that which we have hope in today, which is the truth that Jesus Christ lives and he died and he was resurrected. And my hope this week is for you and for me is to have your hope in that the Lord is going to return. And Lord, come quickly some days, right? Lord, come quickly. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for David. Sometimes my eyes can wander and they can deceive me and they can make things out bigger than what they are. And, and Lord, we're all 
challenges. And it's not always about flesh and blood. It's about the deceit of, of Satan who tries to take me away and, and tries to make me stressed out and, and forget about the promises of God. So, Lord, help us this week to center on you, that you live and reign, and that you died for my sins. So, Lord, forgive us when, when I, my faith is, seems so lacking at times. And then fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. So thank you for your protection. Thank you that uh, you've defeated Satan. And you're still working on me, though, too, Lord, to be more like you. And, and sometimes, Lord, I need to be reminded and I need to be humbled, too, because there are times when I, I just want to do things on my own and say, look what I accomplished or look what I can do. And, and David wasn't even about that. He would just say, Lord, thank you for standing next to me before, and I know you'll stand with me today. So thank you, Lord, again for who you are. Thank you for Pastor Mike, for Hannah. Bless their family, Lord, this week. Uh, Might he be encouraged, Lord, by you and by this congregation to continue to serve you faithfully, and, Lord, to fill them with your Holy Spirit. Fill us, Lord, this week with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that... And, Lord, you've promised to never leave us or forsake us. So thank you for that promise, Lord. God's people said, amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.